Welcome to the Dream Mason Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Terranova. A dream mason is a person who's brave enough to declare they have a dream and committed enough to do the work to build it. I know we all have a dream mason inside of us, and my dream for this podcast is to support us by giving us a glimpse inside the hearts and minds of leaders, creators, and innovators to help us unleash our inner dream mason, because your dreams don't build themselves. What's up, and welcome back to the Dream Mason Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Terranova. I am a Dream Mason, a performance and mindfulness coach. I work with leaders, creators, and innovators, those brave enough to build their dreams. If you're a high performer looking for an edge with a desire to expand your leadership, generate more money, more time, and feel more fulfilled, working with me will support you in making that life a reality. Now, if you haven't already, please support me and this podcast by subscribing and leaving a review on iTunes, Google Play, or YouTube. Follow me, Inspirational Alex, on Instagram, and please share this podcast with a friend. What's up, and welcome back to the Dream Mason Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Terranova. I am here today with a counterculture certified barista. I know you guys are excited now. We're going to get really into coffee. Totally messing around. That is not what we're going to do today. But my guest is a counterculture certified barista. She's also a colleague of mine in Accomplishment Coaching. She describes herself as a coach for creatives in corporate clothing. I love that. And she's also a Renaissance woman. She acts, she writes, she sings, and she does improv. Laura Westman, I'm so happy to have you on the Dream Mason podcast. What's Hi, up? Alex. Thanks. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. Is I haven't anything been you introduced to... uh, as a barista in a really long time. That's <laughs> pretty fun. <laughs> well, when you told me, it was like, you know, I have to go with this. I can't leave that out. It's too fun. And since we're going to create a conversation around joy today, it seemed, to, it seemed perfectly acceptable and normal to start it with something silly and fun. Yeah. Well, it's funny because I... You know, so I guess it's been probably six years since I was being paid to pour lattes, but it does—it actually did bring me so much joy like when I look back on it. Like, there's a lot about my life. I'm really glad it's different than it was then. But the other day, we went into a coffee shop, and it was early, and the woman behind the counter was like, hey, I'm so sorry, my barista's not here yet. And I had this impulse to just say, hey, I can do it. It's fine. Um, I really do miss it. It, it. You know, every, every drink is an opportunity to create something beautiful. That's what I love most. I feel that way when I go to, into restaurants and bars sometimes where I'm like, oh, I kind of would just rather be bartending than on the other side of the bar. There's actually less pressure to be the bartender than to figure out what to do when you're, when you're the customer. When you're waiting. <laughs> you know, people are always like, I don't know what to do with my hands when they're like in situations. I feel like someone's <laughs> at a bar. I'm like, I don't know what to do with myself. I'd rather just be bartending. Nice. Like right. keeping busy. I know. I, I had this experience recently. We're waiting in line at our neighborhood coffee shop. And I, I just had this weird moment where I was like, wow, I'm one of the regulars at a coffee shop now. That's weird. Is it the coffee? Working at a coffee shop is actually my first job. I was hired when I was 15, and I just always worked at least part-time all the way through college. 
um, and then full-time after school. And being a regular just always seemed like this weird mythical existence. Like I, I never really understood it, you know, cause I was always behind the counter. Um, but it's kind of cool. I feel like there's a lot of similarities between coffee and like alcohol, like bars and coffee shops. Cause you have the exact, that same thing. It's just one usually, I mean, is a morning or daytime thing. And one is often a nighttime thing, but it's Definitely. super similar. Yeah. Well, so we talked about this because you and I had this awesome conversation and I had a breakthrough around our relationship. And, and what I really realized was you're somebody who totally embraces joy and you are like a living embodiment of joy. And like, I want to say like smiles and happiness. And for somebody like me who joy smiles, happiness is something that I'm like, like, I love to be silly and I love to play, but I don't like know how to do, and I'm getting better, but I don't know how to do like joy and celebration in the way that I think you do. Mm-hmm. And I noticed like, I, and I've shared this with you, like it, for me, it was like triggering, right? We, we get triggered by people that they have stuff that we have our own issues with. And when I realized, oh my God, it's like, she's the representation of the little kid inside of me that just like wants to come out and be like, yeah. <laughs> And that little kid like doesn't know how. And so this cool conversation that I want to create is I want to talk about joy. I want to talk about your journey with it. Like how you, cause I know it wasn't always this way for you. No. And then we can kind of share like, I think what it's like as a man. Cause I think that's, there's some differences in there, at least how we're brought up and maybe some ways that people can like actually, you know, practice or learn or I don't know. We'll see where this goes. Definitely. What's, what's this, what's your story around like your past or even this conversation? Um, could we call it my joy story? We, we can call it your joy story. Maybe that'll be the title of the episode. I was going to say, uh, starring Tom Hanks and Laura Westman. That sounds great. <laughs> um, so, well, first of all, for anybody listening who doesn't or like hasn't had a coach or doesn't know anything about accomplishment coaching, we have a distinction where we we actually name our life purpose. And when I was going through my program year, we were doing life purpose and we distinguished that my purpose was joy. And I was like, ew, gross, did not like, was not interested, but it also felt like the right thing. And it was really odd. And I remember my coach didn't really know what to do because I was bringing these two opposite (laughs) things, you know, like yes, this is my purpose. And I also resent it and kind of hate it. And I don't like the word. So it was kind of nice. You know, she opened up the dictionary. We started looking at all the different iterations of joy, but um, it didn't really mean anything to me at the time. Um, And I think the, like, when I think about my journey with joy, I would say that maybe a year or so ago, I realized that like, you know, even being a coach, I think when you start and you like get yourself really deep into this kind of work, it can become really easy to use it against yourself and to forget about the positives and how it's supposed to support you. you know? And I could feel myself at some point in the last year or so starting to kind of drill down into me. Like I felt like no matter what I was doing, nothing was really changing and I could never really get where I wanted to get. It was like, yeah, get a new client, but I still wouldn't feel any different. And I started thinking about the idea of like, well, so we say all the time that living from your life purpose is the thing. 
but I don't think I ever really knew what it meant. And that was when I started thinking, okay, we named it joy. What does it mean? And, uh, I mean, it's, it's funny to look back over the last year because it's more like, like I could talk about the daily practice, like channeling that part of myself, which is a choice moment to moment. It totally is. Um, I don't know if you can see this, uh, but in the back of my office, I actually have a little light box and the message on the light box says, just be joy. And it was because I needed a flat out reminder every morning of who I was. Avoid the spiral of doom. <laughs> the spiral of doom. I didn't, I didn't know that your life purpose was joy. I don't know if you know that mine is also joy. Um, what? No, I didn't is, know that. So, and my story, so mine was happiness until Carrie, uh, Carrie is, is one of, uh, like a senior leader and an outstanding, powerful woman in, in the coaching world. Um, Carrie Zurier said to me, happiness isn't a <laughs> happiness, isn't a life purpose. It's a feeling. Yours is joy. And I just, in a moment, got my, <laughs> my life purposes reassigned. It was like God came down from heaven in the body of Carrie and said, now this is your life purpose. Here you go. Um, yeah. But it's actually cool because I loved it when it was happiness. And I really got why it's actually joy because I see joy as a way of being and happiness as a feeling. Mm-hmm. We feel yeah. happiness. We are joyful. Totally. Happiness is like a sometimes fun byproduct of actually being joy. Yeah. I think for people that don't maybe like get what that means, I always, I'll say to people when I talk about it, I think you could be joyful at a funeral where I don't normally think you're going to be happy at a funeral, Mm -hmm. but you could have a being of joyfulness in terms of like being joyful and sad. And I don't know that you could be happy and sad. Like those two things don't kind of, they kind of knock each other out. Totally. To me, joy sometimes feels like the embodiment of full expression. It's almost like, so this summer, I had this cool experience. I turned 30. Yay me. I made it to another decade. Um, And earlier this year, I was thinking, you know, how do I want to celebrate? What do I really want to do? Blah, 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 blah. I'm a Leo, so I like me some attention, but not too much. <laughs> and um, I, so as you know, Alice, because you've been in my life, you know, this has been going on. I had this idea that I was going to do a little music show for my birthday party. And the last couple of years, I've really been like kind of, it's been a really slow burn for me getting back into music. I grew up playing piano, singing songs. You know, my whole family is very musical. My dad Uh, He's a very talented pianist. And, you know, anytime that there would be a new Disney movie coming out, he would get the music book and we would learn all the songs and stuff even before we would go see the movie. So that's like the kind of house that I grew up in. And um, I was so into music. The complete opposite of my house. We like weren't allowed to listen to music. That's not really true. (laughs) That's not actually true. My mom's not going to like that I said that. But there was like, that was, it's just like our house was the complete opposite. It's like very different. Okay. No, my parents met in choir in high school. So we were like very musical. And um, when I was in high school, I found out that I had vocal notes. And uh, I don't know what that, I don't know what that means. And I'm sure other people, what does that mean? Well, have you seen Pitch Perfect? I have not seen Pitch Perfect. <gasps> Alex! 
Olympics. Okay, put it on your joy list, list of experiences you have to have to bring you so much joy. Um, so, well, in Pitch, Pitch Perfect, great, funny movie written by an improviser about acapella. So two of my favorite things. Um, Brittany Snow uh, is one of the characters and she has vocal notes. And it's basically when your vocal cords have calluses on them. So for some people, it means they won't have a singing career. For some people, like Adele, for example, had vocal notes. She had them removed. It's kind of a risky surgery for a vocalist, especially an international um, superstar. <laughs> you know? um, but when I was a teenager, to me, this felt like the kiss of death. It was like all of my possibility as a musician was suddenly gone. And I started getting really stressed about how I sounded. And I think I actually put more pressure on my sad, tired little vocal cords. And I, I kind of just stopped um, after high school. And um, so in high school, I was very active in theater. I ran a theater company, uh, a nonprofit theater company. I produced five shows a year. It was super fun. I'm a big nerd. And I ran my high school acapella group, did two choirs, like super into it, you know, um, until I suddenly felt this big stop sign in, in the way. And I ended up going to college for nothing like that. I got my degree in political science. And the way that my like, joy and passion for performing started coming out um, was, I was, it was junior year. I was like knee deep in, in like, I don't know what kind of boring public policy classes that I thought would be a good idea to take, but I just needed some outlet. And so I signed up for an improv class, like complimentary you know, go try it out, see what you think kind of class. And it was so far out of my comfort zone. I like rehearsal. I like knowing things are going to go well, you know, and it was exhilarating. It was super fun. And so improv was kind of how I, I sort of got back into it. It was like, it was almost like I was this, just roll with me on this analogy, please. I was like the little hamster in my little uh, hamster cage and you know how hamsters get water out of a little dropper? They get like one drop at a time. It was like my little joy drop was just like, here, have a little tiny bit. You know, it's a tiny, <laughs> tiny drop of water. So anyway, the last couple of years, um, being a coach, you kind of can't deny who you are anymore. You know, like you can't. You're surrounded by people who are just mirroring back to you who you really are. And about a year ago, I kind of looked around and I was like, wow, I'm an artist trying to live the life of an accountant. It was just like not matched up at all. And so I was, you know, the last few years I've been having some projects where I was playing music or getting back into piano or playing with a band or something. And all of this is to say that the only thing I could possibly think of that would appropriately celebrate me and my life and my amazing 30 years of being myself is to like come back out as a musician. So it, that like, was... it, it almost feels like the, the premise of a movie. Does like it? This is a movie. This is a movie. Yeah. So oh my maybe God. like, it's totally, think about it. It's like a rom-com. Starring me and myself. I fall back in love with myself. Oh, this could oh. be like, a, like an 80s rom-com with like Tom Hanks as like the lead. He's like the, you had somebody, you had a critic actually show up to your 30th birthday party to review <laughs> your, to review your birthday party, which is <laughs> crazy. But I feel like Tom Hanks would be like the critic who shows up and, but in the movie you would get slammed. It would be like a mean reviewer because it, it, it couldn't just be too, you know, you'd have to have like some big comeback. 
you'd have to put on another show to <laughs> how good you really were. Totally. And then it, that's when it gets really like, you've got male-ish between me and Tom Hanks and we hate each other. And then maybe the title of the movie is uh, Loving the Sound of Her Own Voice. Like, wink, wink. Because <laughs> the whole point is I actually like how I sound now. Um, I like this. This is the second Tom Hanks reference in our uh, conversation so far. (laughs) What I'm really getting is like you created in your journey, you created the thing that you wanted that would bring you joy. Like I think for a lot of people for like their birthday or any event, they're like, Oh, let's do this. It will be fun. People will like it. But you like really were like, it's my birthday. I want to have a show that features me. That's all about me. And that's actually, I think it's really brave actually. Because there's a lot of, you know, I mean, the way our minds work, right? Like our minds will tell us all sorts of things about stuff like that. Yeah. Or like other people will. But it's like, it's your birthday. You know, it's really <laughs> brave that you would be like, hey, this is what I actually really want to do. And, and like people showed up and people showed yeah. up and supported you. I mean, and a reviewer showed up. Yes. Well, thank you for that. And so here's the thing about joy is you can't apologize for it or else it doesn't count Mm. in the process of creating my show. So it started off as this dinky little idea. I was like, Oh, I'll just rent out like a little space of the Lower East Side. Everybody will come. They'll listen to me play four songs. Then we'll have cake and it'll be the end. Like, can you hear the apology in that? Like, Mm -hmm. you know, thanks for coming. It wasn't big. Yeah. You just didn't, it wasn't like the full. Yeah. And when I really started thinking about it, I was like, well, it's my 30th birthday. This can be whatever I want. And if I'm having a great time, so will everybody else, hopefully. Right? So it's not (laughs) terrible, you know? So it quickly went from like, oh, I'd like to showcase a few of my songs to like, wow, what if I actually took people on a musical journey through my favorite songs of the last three decades? What would that be like? What songs would I do? Who would do them with me? What would that actually be like? And it became this really fun experience where like for four months this year, every morning I would go for a walk and just imagine, Oh, what if I did this song? What if I did this song? And it, it was such a delightful process that by, so, uh, you know, I, I really related to this as like a long-term creative process. This is a lot of the work I do with my coaching clients is like helping them understand different pieces of creative process. So like some of it's going to be messy and weird and like, I need the, the stage that I like to call the plimagine stage, which is the planning slash imagining stage where you look at all of the possibilities. Cody, my fiance, named it the plimagine because it's overwhelming to him, but it's very fun for me. <laughs> so it has a name. But that, that stage where it's like you, you want to evaluate and be with all of these different ideas, and then eventually the right ones will rise to the surface. Like intuitively, you're going to know. So that was how I ended up coming up with my set list was just like trying out a ton of stuff and actually taking a look. What's the thing that gave you the permission to like have all this, to actually just be joyful, to like really like fall in and live your life purpose? Or what did you let go of? It could be either one, right? You get either got permission or let go of something. So I have an answer for each of the things you asked. The first one the permission question. I think it wasn't necessarily. 
don't know if there was a particular moment in time, but I remember, and I have this experience every day, like I have to re-choose this, but Alex, I'm a really big nerd. (laughs) I am a huge nerd and I love that about myself. And all of the times in my life when I haven't experienced joys, when I'm denying my epic, epic nerdery. And so I think it, it reminds me of a, a nice Nin quote about the pain of being tightly wound in a bud, you know, and I wish I could remember it. It'd be a really nice time to actually quote it properly right now. But I think I just, it just became too painful to not. So I started getting curious about what it would actually be like. I, I get that really from, for me, it's like the playful silliness. Like that's the part of me. It's more so, I think more so than joy. It's like, I want to be playful and silly all the time and I don't want it. So it's like a distraction, but I want to bring play and silliness into even every serious conversation because look, none of us know what the hell we're doing here. Like on this planet, we're all just, and so it's like, but we all take it like, so including myself, we take it so seriously and yeah. everything is so heavy that to me, the one thing that I think we can do is like bring the levity or the play or the silliness or the joy to almost anything. Um, totally. And I know that the, when I'm listening to you, that's the part that gets locked up where when I'm not there, that's the part that's screaming, like, let me out. Yeah. Let me play. So what's interesting is you also asked that question about like, what did I have to let go of? Mm -hmm. And I think it's that thing you just said. It was like, I had to let go of this idea that everything's supposed to be serious and significant. Mm. Even down to how I do my morning routine was very serious and significant. And it's like, well, what kind of container is that for your day? So let's, can we look at that? Like, how did that, what, how, how was it? And then how did it change when you kind of like came through joy instead of however it was? Oh, sure. So I have, by default, I have anxiety and I also can get depression. Some of this is from my, I have an autoimmune disease called Hashimoto's. And so, um, without like a lot of intention, I can easily wake up into an experience of anxiety without even trying. Mm -hmm. So I would say before this particular shift, my morning would be like, wake up, be immediately anxious about the day and what's going to happen or what's supposed to happen and rush into a cup of coffee because I'm not good enough till I have coffee and kind of do my best to control and really like, like try to, it's almost like the anxiety is like a really, really wound up cat, you know? And like, I don't know your experience with cats, Alex. Have you ever had a cat in your life? No, they scare me a little bit. I'm like getting better, (laughs) but like cats kind of, I'm like so much more dog person. There's something about cats that are like so unpredictable that like, I just feel like I'm always about to get pounced on. You probably are. That's a fair assessment of, (laughs) of a cat. So... I mean, then this analogy actually works really well. Like cats are pretty skittish and especially if they don't like you and they don't want to be touched. And that's kind of what my being sort of felt like a lot was like just doing my best to like manage that that was all going on. And I think I just realized how much I don't want that for myself and how much it's actually optional. So now like 
I mean, just to give you a snapshot in the morning, I get out of bed and, um, usually I have like five minutes of meditation. I drink a whole glass of water, super quick yoga, take a shower. And then Cody and I leave the house together. We go out for coffee and then I walk him like halfway to work. And then I come all the way back and I listen to music on the way back and come back, have breakfast, you know, do my morning journaling and stuff like that. Um, and it's so nice. It just gets me out of my head and into the world. Plus, so we live here in Manhattan and I'm really close to the East River, like two blocks from the East River. And I don't know why. It's just so nice in the morning to be close to the water. I'm with you on the water. Water, to, I don't know how to live not near water. There's something about water that to me is is like peace and soothing. Even if I'm not in it or on it, like knowing it's like two blocks away. Yeah. Just has me be a different person. Even the East River, which is probably gross and filled with stuff I don't, yeah, I don't want to go swimming in it, but it's really nice to be next to. Yeah. Well, I love that, like how it was and how it went and like the, the simple shifts of you changing stuff. What do you think, like, so I think, I think people have trouble with joy. I think if they didn't, we would live in a much happier, playful, like world on a more regular basis. I think that we're either holding it in or we're not letting it out or, or we just don't know how, like, I think as a man, I was actually talking to somebody about this today. I was telling somebody that we were going to have this conversation. And I said something about like being a man, we don't know how to do it. Perfect example. Think about Almost every time, now it, it, nothing's 100% right, but almost every time you see a man and a woman get in, do an engagement, the woman is like, it's just like an overwhelming explosion of like tears or joy or, or, or bodily like jumping up and down. And the guy's kind of like, he's got like a smile and he's like, yeah, I, I think I did good. <laughs> like maybe there's a hug, <laughs> but there's not like all that much. And now granted, one person may, may have been surprised. But you'd think that this moment that was like, look, she said yes, right? <laughs> you'd think you'd be excited. I think that we as like most men actually don't know how. That we've actually been conditioned to like kind of, you know, I think of it like like succeed and then go for the next thing right away. Like you don't actually get to stop and actually like recognize that you ran through a wall. It's just like, nope, run through another wall, run through another wall, run through mm -hmm. another wall. And I really should say this, like, I think is a masculine thing more than a male thing. Because I think mm -hmm. if you're a man and you were maybe had more feminine energy around you, maybe you didn't have that. And I think if you're, if you're masculine in general, whether you're a woman or a man or identify as something else, if you kind of have that more masculine side, I think you have more trouble connecting with and expressing joy. Um, I know I do. And I know that I really want to express it more and I want to bring it out. What do you, do you see anything in this? Like from what well, I said? I actually want to, I have a question for you about it. Um, I was having a conversation with my sister about something like this recently. Um, I, again, calling upon my superpower of joy, put together a family reunion this fall. That's a whole other story only possible from having chosen this breakthrough, you know, like me, two years ago, no way this would have happened. <laughs> but my sister and I were talking about that. And I was wondering, Alex, what do you think? Like, so we're, we're just watching um, some videos of my 
cousins when we were young. Um, and a lot of them are kind of unrecognizable. You know, like there's a ton of like joy and play and it's, everyone's very noisy. And um, I was wondering if you had an experience or maybe like when you, like a particular period of time as a dude growing up, when you suddenly realized that you weren't supposed to express that stuff, like you just shut it down. Yeah. Like the little dude, the little, the little Alex dude. Um, Hmm. I don't know if there's like a particular moment. I don't remember like a moment that was like, Ooh, that don't do that. I remember different moments. Um, I, I think the thing for me specifically, and this is, would not be for the all, you know, men or, or people that really identify as masculine, but, um, I think that we, for me, it was, my dad was, was like traditionally, um, conservative, powerful, very, like very, very manly, um, very masculine, like almost, I want to say my dad is like 90% in his masculine all the time. And sometimes you get like all the kind of the feelings and gushiness at moments, but it's like so slim and, and, and in between. And with the masculine, I think comes like strength and power. And I think a lot of the anger, like you see the, the quick temper and those kind of things. And then my mom is like so loving and so accepting, but yet um, I think it brings like that kind of stereotypical, like motherly worry and anxiety and like kind of always looking to protect. And I know for me, those things didn't look good. I didn't want that. Like, I didn't want what looked like a lot of stress and anger and, and like, almost like it felt like uptightness. Mm -hmm. Um, and my dad's amazing. Both my parents are amazing. I'm not, you know, I, I don't say this to criticize them. Um, and I didn't want the, the worry and the anxiety that my mom had. And I think I, as a little kid, not understanding that, Hey, it doesn't have to be one way or the other went, yeah. I just want to be cool. I want to be like cool, calm, collected. Nothing's ever that big of a deal. Everything's like just all good all the time. And I think when you take that on, you just squashed your joy. Because mm -hmm. what I did was I went, hey, I want to be a flat line. I don't want to spike high. I don't want to spike low. Well, it's much safer. Cut out. Yeah. So much safer. I mean, I cut out all anger. There's no anger. There's, I mean, there's, I'm, I'm have so much more facility with it now of, of the amount of work I've done on myself, but there's no sadness. There was no anger. There was no joy. It was just straight fat line. Alex is, Alex is fine and good all the time. Um, right. That would be, and I think the, and the piece, I think, but I do think there are moments of self-expression that ooh, along the journey, I remember, I remember in like, man, it probably was like fifth grade, fourth or fifth grade or something. Somehow we had this free time and we, we could do whatever we wanted for like a certain amount of time within reason, right? Like, <laughs> um, and somehow one day somebody put on music and like the kid, like all of us kids were like, um, were like karaokeing in the class. And I remember that was like, it was probably fifth grade. Cause I remember like you started to notice the girls and the girls are starting to notice the boys. And I remember at first doing it from this like joy and play of the funness of it. And I remember there was a distinct moment where I went, Oh my God, I'm getting attention from the girls for this. And then it became performance. Mm 
Mm-hmm. Now, right, my kid mind kind of, this is all like happening really fast, right? But I can look back and go, oh, that totally shifted. It stopped being fun and it started being about, does the girl what like you could get, yeah. 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 And I think totally. that's a joy, total joy squasher. If we're it doing- really is, yeah. I mean, it sounds, it reminds me of my experience with my voice. It was like the second it became about pleasing others or needing to fit into a particular uh, like type of vocalizing or a particular sound, all the joy was gone. All of it. Yeah. I even think the same way about like sports. Like I was a really good athlete when I was a kid and like sports were really fun. And I, even though I was, um, they were really fun. I still worked really hard. Me and my dad would go out like in front of our house and I would, we would like play practice baseball every single day. Like, and if I didn't want to, he would basically make me. And once I was doing it, I was having fun and I was glad that I was doing it. And then there was a moment where all of a sudden it had meaning. Like it was like, Hey, this is about getting into college or this is about status on campus or something like that happens like in high school. Right. And all of a sudden for me, the joy like just went away and there was no joy. It was about this other thing. And now I think, you get this. I get this. I think there's people that I could have probably done. I was too young. I didn't know. Now I could go, wait, I could have generated the joy. I could have actually made the joy an internal thing. But like, we don't know how to do that when we're like 14 or 15 years old. No. And Brene Brown hadn't written any books at that point. Like what access would we have had? You know? Great. Yeah. We needed Shit. like a, del- we needed a Delor- Brene Brown to show up in a DeLorean. <laughs> <laughs> From the future. Hello, teenagers. I'm here to solve your worries. You know, well, you know, one of the, I, I think the first self-help book I ever read was a Brene Brown book. And what I learned from it is pertinent to this conversation. So Brene Brown says that joy and heartbreak or devastation exist on the same continuum. And it's almost like a pendulum that can swing in one direction only as far as it can swing in the other direction. Yeah. So when we limit our ability to experience heartbreak or anger, we're also limiting our experience of joy and happiness. I, so before I even comment on it, I think I owe you and Brene Brown an apology because I think you've shared that with me before. And I think I've actually said it on the podcast. Oh, really? I I, I, but I think I gave you credit. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's not me. But I, uh, I really am happy that um, I'm associated with that. No, that's Brene Brown all the way. Yeah. I, re- I mean, I remember when you shared that with me, it made perfect sense. Like that, you know, you're only, I think it's the same. I mean, you said joy and heartbreak. We could say love and heartbreak too, right? Like mm-hmm. the, your willingness, how, it's almost like how far you're willing to go in is how far you can actually get out. Yes, exactly. And, you know, I think that's why the term full expression is, it exists the way that it does. You know, one other thing about my, my birthday show that was so mega powerful and transformative for me is that, um, so when I was a little girl, I'd say until I got to high school, I was super proud of my voice and I loved singing and I loved doing it with my family. Super, super fun. And then when I became a teenager, Um, I had a tough time singing with them. And I think generally I just had a really tough time expressing myself. I think it's why I loved 
choir and theater so much is it was just a great outlet to get to be angry or however I was actually feeling. And so one thing I didn't tell all of your listeners about my birthday show is that I ended up featuring my family in most of the show. And this is a pretty big deal. This is the first non-wedding, non-funeral thing we've been together for since my parents divorced in 2013. And, um, I mean, it was, it was wonderful for me. I got to perform with my dad, my mom, and then my brother and sister who are also musicians and being able to actually be there and sing the way that I sing and just actually be expressed in that way and get to do it with them and be happy for how they sound. It was just this crazy cool experience of like, like serenity and acceptance. Like, I don't know what else to say about that but I could feel in my body the difference between like my level of expression and self-acceptance because of how relaxed I was doing it. And I can't remember when was the last time I felt that relaxed, even singing in the car with my family. It also just sounds like something that that's something that you do with your family when you're a kid. Like that's something kids do with families, you know, like when you go into a little kid classroom, all the kids are singing. There's not like a, like a kindergartner who's not singing. And I think when you're in like a car, if it was like a mom and a dad and they're singing in the car with like all the kids are doing it too. It's yeah. there's a certain moment where that stops, right. As like teenagers or whatever. Um, but it's almost what I heard in that is like, you got to kind of go back and recreate that as adults, which is mm-hmm. actually really pretty incredible because who gets to do that who gets to re who gets to recreate joyfully an experience usually it doesn't go it doesn't go well no well and I feel like that's been the most amazing part is like so your question earlier when you asked about what I had to let go of one of the things I really had to let go of was the story I had about who I am in my family and I mean that's like a whole other million conversations but on the other side of like how I expected them to be or me to be is just how we actually are. And Alex, my brother-in-law filmed the show and the day after I was sitting in the airport and I was watching it and I was listening to this song my brother and sister and I did together and it sounded amazing. It sounded so good that I had to tell strangers at the airport everything about it. <laughs> and they listened to it and they were like, yeah, it's really good. And it, it's just, it feels like such a cool miracle. Like how many people, A, get to have this experience with their family, but B, how many people actually like sound really good when they play music with their family? I don't know. Um, I mean, this still sounds like your, you know, the, the screenplay that you're the, you know, the Broadway play that you should write. It's like, yeah, sure. But it's no, it's like, but this is your, it's like your story. It's about a girl who has this, this is like, you know, she starts off as a barista Mm -hmm. and becomes, (laughs) but no, I, I think there's, it's actually like your journey from the beginning to creating this. It just sounds like it almost is it almost doesn't sound real because stuff like this doesn't happen. Now it does, right? People create stuff like this, but I think it's just not what we hear about. Yeah. And it's totally possible. And it's what you and I do for a living is how people create things like this. It is crazy. Yeah. But most well, people are not having this, these experiences. 
Well, I think so much of it is because like, you gotta be willing to put yourself out there. Like it's risky, you know? And my show was risky, but I also knew however my family was or however well it went or didn't go, I was gonna get to do it. And that was what I wanted. I feel like if I could create a formula for a joyful experience, it would be something like, um, like experience without expectation or like being able to 100% empower the experience you're having. Like the fact that my family had a wonderful time is the icing on the cake. But I really had to be totally fine with everybody having whatever experience they were going to have, like, and releasing that control was huge. That's also what made my engagement trip so amazing was we put all of this like care and planning into it. But then once it started, it was going to make me miserable if I was like hanging on to every experience being totally perfect in what I had imagined. Oh, it's a perfect, I mean, we, we could get into like a whole, like all these other conversations. I think it's the same thing. Like joy is contagious and the joy that you've been practicing and you've been creating is simply contagious to all these people around you, your family, your fiance, like, I mean, without getting into all of it, your fiance created the perfect proposal for you, but he was actually super excited about it. And it's yeah. like totally your thing that he, it's like, he got himself generated to full joy where he was having the experience that it's like the experience he wanted, but it was because of you in a way, you know, I'm really curious, like for, for people out there that are listening, that are like, man, I want to have more joy. Like I want to, I want to be this happy. I want to create, you know, you know, a family musical or whatever it is. (laughs) And maybe it's just something simple. Like they want more joy or more self-expression in like their everyday life. Are there things that you, you know, that could have them practice or things that you could share? Yes. They could just take on. So first I would start with the simple question of what brings you joy? Like when do you feel joy the most? For me, to be honest, my whole life, some of the best joy I've ever experienced is when everyone else leaves the house and I can play piano and sound exactly how I want. And I love that being alone and being expressed. I do that now. When Cody leaves the apartment, I put on YouTube on karaoke and just do whatever I want. But it's, it's stuff like that. Like I would ask, I would have you take a look at like, what, what are some of the moments where I feel the most me, like the most secret fun and just start there. And then I would also think about like, (laughs) a lot of my clients who run their own businesses, we, we do an exercise where, um, I have them write down what are all the arbitrary rules that they're following all the time. That's great. And then just practice breaking them. Like, Oh, you're on a conference call. No one can see you sit on the floor. (laughs) Paint your nails. Who cares? No one can see what you're doing. Like you kind of feel like a rebel. It's kind of fun. Oh, that's so perfect. Cause it was like, we started this with me with the tiny hands <laughs> and I shared with you that on my desk. So I have like two altars in my, in my, in my house or my apartment. One is like a very kind of like, it's like the altar that I like meditate in front of. It's kind of like, just, I just like the way it looks right. I'm not like praying to like, like Buddha and Ganesh, but it's like kind of embodies spirituality for me. 
And I just like the way it looks and it kind of puts me in the space to meditate and connect with something. But my other altar is all based around fun and play. And so it has like, I have multiple like emoji poos that are like squishy and slimy. I have like these tiny little hands, but it's kind (laughs) of that, yeah, it's like totally opens that up for me that like finding that little thing and no one can see. Right. So I'll be on the phone with a client and I'm playing with like a tiny hand or like a a, a emoji poop. (laughs) Yeah. I think like it really makes all the difference, you know? And so, I mean, I think the thing that's interesting about joy as a state of being is that you can actually call upon it at any time. Now I sound like sailor moon, but Oh my gosh. You guys can't see this if you're listening, but Alex has his poop emoji and his tiny hand. And his tiny hand is covering his poop emoji. Because <laughs> he's so blown away by this conversation. <laughs> but this I would definitely so... say it's like a, it's a, you know, it's kind of whack. But like when I sit down to plan out my day, there's like the first wave of plans. That's sometimes my anxious mind. And then I take a look at it and I'm like, well, what would Joy say today? And sometimes the doing of it, like of the to-dos are the same, but the experience is really different because it's like the difference of like walking through a swamp and being stressed out or like, like finger painting for fun on the wall. I don't know. That's just the analogy that came to me. No, I love that. And you can actually, what's really cool about like, what would Joy do today? Or what would Joy do in this situation? You could do that with anything, right? Like if you were somebody out there who like feels joyful, but you're like, want to have more adventure in your life what would adventure do or whatever it is? Um, It's such a simple, just plug in the thing that you're seeking or your intention. It's a great practice. Really, really good. I want to ask you some rapid fire questions about joy. Okay. You ready? ready. Yes. So what's your, I think you might've said it already, but what's your number one most joyful activity? Oh, singing really loudly by myself in my apartment. Do neighbors ever bang on the wall? Actually, no one has complained. Nice. That brings me joy, too. (laughs) That no one's complained? (laughs) Yes. This is New York. I'm kind of surprised. So if there was one person, there's one living person who you could go share your joy with, and it would be, like, contagious, they would take it on, who would that person be? Oh, I love this question. Oh, man. I went straight to all the politicians who I would want my joy to fix. But... In all honesty, I feel like I'm totally looking for the right answer. I don't know. There's so many people, Alex. Um, you, get one, you get to pick one. One person I'd want to give my joy to. Like, I can't believe I'm about to say this, but it would be like Mitch McConnell. That's a good one. Yeah, he just doesn't, I never feel like he's a happy dude. Regardless of political beliefs, he just never seems too happy. He always seems upset. Well, and my secret agenda is that, like, if he had his own experience of joy, he wouldn't be needing to take it away from so many people all the time. Yeah. It's like in the movie Hook. How, did you see the movie Hook? Yeah, of course. Oh, it's one of my favorite movies. Hook is awesome. Yeah, it's so, so fun. Especially for, like, getting reconnected to joy, you know, that food fight scene. Oh, it's so classic. Um, But I feel like one of the lessons from that movie is like, you know, Captain Hook is just a mean old man without a mommy. It's like, man, if you could just give that man his heart back, 
all of this drama would be over. Yeah. Um, okay. So you're taking this question wasn't included, but I'm going to add it. So I was going to ask you your most joy, what, what's the most joyful place, but now you're going to take Mitch McConnell to this most joyful place. So what's oh the God. most joyful place? Oh no. It wouldn't be that joyful for me if he was there. <laughs> so his greatness. Who knows what's possible, but where would you go? What's the most joyful place? I am going to sound like a broken record, but I love Disney world so much. It is so wonderful. And it is engineered to make you feel joyful. It's like, it's totally brilliant. It's my favorite. If you could, man, I didn't, I just thought of this one. If you could say anything to Walt Disney, what would it be? <sighs> just feel like an epic thank you. Yeah. Laura, thank you so much for having a fun conversation with me about joy, for, for giving us practices, for sharing your experience, for asking me a question about mine. Um, you shared a lot of personal things. Thanks for just bringing like the joy to this conversation. Like I laughed a lot. I think you laughed a lot. We, it just felt easy and fun. Um, you know, I, I, my intention is that somebody gets joy from listening to this, but then also can go create some themselves and has some few more tools and they're about to go create some more joy in their life. Because if even if all we did was impact, if your joy on this podcast impacts one person, it's totally worth it. Oh, Thanks for being awesome. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. If people want to reach out to you, find you, track you down, you know, laugh with you. How do they do that? Uh, you can find me online at laurawestman.com. Um, also, my Instagram is probably the best way to keep up with me. My handle is Westy Grand, W-E-S-T-Y-G-R-A-M-M-E-D. It's an old nickname from my coffee days. Still lives <laughs> on. <laughs> awesome. Well, thanks again. Again, thanks for bringing the joy. Thanks for bringing the smile and just like the, the lightness and all the heart. I appreciate it. Thanks, Alex. It's so cool to be acknowledged like this. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Dream Mason Podcast. Please subscribe to the Dream Mason Podcast so you don't miss an episode. Share it with a friend and give us a review on iTunes. I am grateful to have had you here. If you want more, you can follow or reach out to me, Alex Terranova, on Instagram at inspirationalalex or at thedreammason.com or email me at alex at thedreammason.com. And remember, you are a dream mason because your dreams don't build themselves.